1: But guess what, UFOs became, that's the perfect meme. Remember UFO was everything in the media and it got swept out for, I guess the Archons thought of another crisis like war just to make sure. And I think this meme really exemplifies humanity because let's face it, uh, people are so into their own things that whether it's UFOs, gods or anything else, it really doesn't matter. We're going to create our own reality as the doomer over here has done it. Uh, as a, <clears throat> I think it was, uh, the book Illusions, uh, got by the guy who wrote, um, Richard, Buck. Richard Buck, John, and Any, there's one thing where if God were to appear in the sky in the clouds and said, I command you to be happy until the end of your life, most humans would ignore the Almighty. That's how we are. We're doomers. If we're not ready for reality, we're not going to do it. But that was, I thought we'd talk about UFOs, but of course, we can talk about anything you want. And at astronosis, I guess the definition is going to end up being a lot more broader. Um, so, uh, I know Chris was uh, almost done with his presentation, and we couldn't get to even to a and a Do we have any questions for Chris from last night? Ivan from Zoom, any questions for Chris? Yeah. Sure. So,
2: Chris, towards the end your last talking about the symbolism in the remaining buildings
3: at the World Trade Center here. It's all going to be about 9-11. This is the 9-11 coming up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be about that or
4: not.
3: That's what I'm going
2: to find out yeah. You mentioned, and I've never seen this before, between the buildings there was a royal arch and then there was a bottle. Yes. Symbolism of the other things. What
5: the was the bottle? We <laughs> well that's an excellent question because you know 2001 space odyssey is like an, an enigmatic film to so many people but to me like when i think about it in the context of my presentation i think it it's basically the same thing it's this astral travel through the stars and the constellations and the universe and so on and it, to me it's just like a a, a depiction a film, filmic depiction of like what i think a lot of these rituals that i think all this material was based on, like all these myths and scripture and symbolism, I think it's all part of like a ritual travel through the stars, right? So um, again, I sort of need like audiovisual kind of aids here, but uh, there are certain Masonic um, icons that have the Royal Arch At the gate of a garden and then there's an altar with a bible so i I think in this context the the architects and whoever was coordinating this wanted to reproduce that with sort of a modernistic sci-fi gloss you see what i'm saying like it's the same iconography but in place of the bible there's now the monolith and that's you know your aat ancient astronaut kind of stuff. So that would be my um, interpretation of it, yeah. Uh, I think it was built in the 80s. So it's contemporary, a little later. Yeah, but nobody noticed that a lot. nobody noticed that it was perfectly aligned with the Royal Arch. Now the other thing too that's the Winter Gardens and if you go in there I actually saw Robert Fripp do Frippotronics in there. It was amazing. But um the, uh, it's sort of a promenade that's lined with palm trees. And if you know the scientific genus for palm trees, it's Phoenix. So it's all about rebirth and resurrection and all that kind of stuff.
3: I have a question for Chris as well. If nobody's going anywhere, where did they come from? The UFO panel. Where did who come from? Well, whatever you want to call UFOs, et cetera, et cetera. Well, isn't that the question?
5: You know, uh, I think it's sort of... I think they've always been with us, you know. Um, I, uh, John Keel or somebody like that said they were a, per, a permanent fixture of our environment, and I believe that as well. I mean, I've seen UFOs, and uh, I've seen orbs, and there's no way that those are... Structured craft, you know, those aren't metal machines from, you know, the Pleiades or something or Zeta Reticuli. I just, I think they're a permanent fixture of our, of our reality. And w- when you start speculating about like they come from different dimensions and all this kind of stuff, I, I'm, I'm really at a point now where I just try to not impose any sort of scientific gloss on these things because you just end up with pseudoscience and it just in other words you end up nowhere so they're there we see them they seem to have interacted with us for a very long time and that's just the way it is and I think that maybe their association with the stars is that people would see these lights up in the sky and go oh yeah stars you know they didn't realize
3: that it was something else Sit. so do you think anyone has ever been anywhere like, do you think we, like we've ever been visited in a physical craft sense?
5: Um, well, I'm going to stick to my dictum of avoiding s- pseudoscience, but um, I, I, I think something interacted with us in a very early time, uh, and I think that sort of haunted us. I don't know where they came from, but n- nobody's ever gone anywhere from this planet, you know, just just and never will. <laughs> I never
3: tire of hearing it, sorry
1: <laughs> no worries, yeah and also reminds me of what was either Whitley Strieber or Jeff Krippel in Supernatural said, they're not embedded with us, we're embedded with them so keep in mind who's in charge of reality we're just sort of in some dimension scuttling around so, important to know, uh, go ahead
0: yeah
4: Chris, uh this isn't so much from your presentation, but uh, one of the recent podcasts you yeah. did, you were talking about uh, uh, your belief that technology, uh, as far as like
2: the, the deepest, strongest technology that we have, has sort of reached its
4: capacity. Um, I was hoping you could sort of expound a little bit on that and then how it might relate to sort of advanced
6: or whatever it was you were just talking about orbs and, and that and how our interplay
7: and their technology might be bleeding into our reality etc cetera, etc cetera.
5: i um i have like a tremendous amount of respect for the scientific method like you know people say i believe the science and that means you believe like whoever works for corning or Pfizer or whatever evil corporation. That's what people really mean when they say, I believe the science. I don't believe the science. I believe in the scientific method, which I think is the greatest achievement that we've, we've achieved. <laughs> so um, the, I was just discussing with these fine folks here. There's a book actually by Tyler Cowen called The Great Stagnation. So this whole idea of peak tech has been around for a while, and there's actually a a columnist for Scientific American named John Horgan, who's also written on this, and that we've not really had any major breakthroughs of the, you know, the epical kinds that we were used to following World War II. But even before that, you know, I mean, like, our modern indoor plumbing, uh, rail travel, air travel, automobiles, um, on and on and on. I mean, these things were just major paradigm shifts. And we haven't had that in quite some time because all this stuff with like Zoom and the internet and uh, teleconferencing and just all this kind of things, World Wide Web, this stuff was all conceived a very, very long time ago. And it was all developed in its primitive state in the 60s at Xerox Park up in Palo Alto, right? We haven't had any major game changers since. I mean, the the first cellular telephone came out in 1983, right? I mean, the internet came out in 1980, you know, TCP IP protocol was, you know, introduced to the public in 1983. So we haven't really had these major game changers in a very long time. You know what I mean? And all the technology that we use now. Is all just basically variations on a theme. You understand what I'm saying? So it's not a unique, um, I, I didn't conceive of this whole idea, I didn't come up with it. I'm just following logically on what these other people have said. And when they just say, you know, we haven't had the kind of breakthroughs in like molecular biology or uh, you know, when you talk about space travel and stuff like that. And just because something is um, you know, can be formulated on paper doesn't mean it can be sized up to the real world. And I think a lot of the science that we told our science, first of all, a lot of the stuff in the scientific and, and technological popular press is just absolute lies, okay? And I mean, it just, I'm not saying like exaggerations or spin or salesmanship, I'm saying just pure fiction, okay? but it's to keep this whole idea of, of progress going because that's the carrot. You know, we know what the stick is, but the carrot is like, well, you know, just do what you're told and then we'll all arrive in Tomorrowland together. You know, Tomorrowland is, is not on the, on the horizon anywhere. You know, we're, we're, this is it. And like I said, because of the, the fact that this stuff all has to be maintained and it has to be maintained by people who have pretty lousy jobs, like, you know, fixing tree lines, I mean, you know, the uh, phone lines during hurricanes and stuff. You know, it, it, I, it's, I think it's already started. I think we're already seeing the downslope of it. So, I mean, I've noticed that with computer speeds, Internet speeds, you know, I, I've noticed my computer was a lot slower than it was 10 years ago. I mean, it's a different computer, <laughs> but it's, you know, you know what I'm saying. So I, I I definitely think we've passed peak tech. And if this stuff like the wars and all this other stuff keeps going on, I think we're going to have a much sharper acceleration downwards.
3: The shitty Jetsons view of the future that, you know, um, Bill Gates has or whatever about it's, it's a misread of the upper world. It's a, it, it's a materialist dull, wrong-headed view that doesn't belong in the physical it's a childish childish belief system let's yeah just to add to that
1: (laughs) anybody would like to talk on alien technology ufos as we see them today
5: i'll have something
7: um i don't have any real um control over the whole ufo thing i'll say this though if you're going to look into this stuff i would really uh check out the work of Dark Journalist, who does, I think, some of or not the best work when it comes to UFO type phenomena. Uh he definitely debunks the blue chicken crowd with uh Will Cock and Gooden, etc., Tom DeLong and you know, Chris's yeah, 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 yeah. Uh Dark Journalist would be the uh, the third of the Boston guys right here, so we'll include him. He could be the uh, the top of the pyramid right for today. But I want to just make it clear to people who are interested in this topic. Uh, don't let them waylay you. this is your reality, too, and you have a right to interact with this phenomenon on your own terms and i would I say the best way to do that one of the ways, one of the best tools to use would be to look at the work of dark journalists so that's what i've got i don't have any grand revelations like a Frank Zappa song
4: yeah i would i would I would second that about uh tom delong it It just seems that he is perpetrating a vision of uh a war uh that ties in with the uh what is it the new space department and uh again to create fear and what do the archons feed on is fear and fear spreads from one individual to another uh, like a uh, pandemic <laughs>
7: Um, I, I just will say, yeah, it's like a contagion for sure. And that's like my tool wrote fear inoculum because what spread like a contagion, but yeah, do, uh, I I want to emphasize and reiterate, and I'll give this to Miguel, the, the, the idea of causing it to become a threat, like, Oh, an unidentified threat. Again, that's what I want to emphasize. And dark journalist talks about this. If you come at it from fear, what do you think you're going to get? So don't let the CIA type spin Meisters tell you what it is from their Saks Avenue fear department. It's your life and your right to interact with these things on a holy, divine way. And it can really amplify your own upwards progression and an upward spiral if you learn this stuff, I think. So, again, dark journalist. And it's not a threat if you are controlling yourself and in charge of your own destiny.
1: Sure. All right. So um, Peter Lavinda
6: allegedly wrote The Second Secret Machines book with Tom DeLonge in was it 2019 or something like that, I believe, shortly before the COVID uh, thing started. So they get a lot into RMA
1: uh, in the second secret machine books, essentially arguing that that was the key to how um, aliens or whatever had genetically modified human beings. It's interesting because LaVinda cites a lot of prominent scientists from the Stanford area and what have you uh, in the acknowledgements at the beginning. Uh, a lot of these guys also worked uh, with the same people who helped develop some of the mRNA vaccines, uh, specifically the founder of Moderna. Uh, what's your guys taking them playing up like all the mRNA stuff with the UFO phenomena shortly before COVID broke out and the vaccines and so forth?
4: Thank you.
3: Um, so... What I guess in the magical world we used to be good at was I was talking about Rupert Sheldrake, who's been on the show uh, earlier. Before all this started, we would nod along with this Cambridge biologist and rightly so saying that we haven't got genetics right. We haven't got DNA right. We haven't got RNA right. These things code for protein. They're not. And it's this comes back to that dumb little Jetsons belief system that we did the human genome project in the nineties. And all of a sudden we were going to like cure everything, right? Nothing. <laughs> we cured nothing. It was crap. And so whilst I'm quite sure the people behind uh, the development of this uh, RNA platform that they're, they have every intention for it to replace medicine, right? They think that's what it's going to do, but it's not because we haven't got whatever the fuck RNA or DNA is right. So I'm not at all surprised. I haven't read. I tried reading the first secret machines and got about 18 pages in and that was... <laughs> That was enough. So, so I'm not surprised that, um, there is like. I just told you the Yeah. And, and I guarantee you that there are people at the sort of beginnings of that mRNA platform project who really do think in that Jetsons belief system that there is something about RNA and aliens and so on. Cause they, and it's not that that's right or wrong. It's that we have RNA wrong. It's whether or not aliens have messed with us we we plainly don't have genetics correctly because the genetic utopia is thirty years late, and it's not going to show up because it's that's my version of nobody's going anywhere, but anyway, your turn
5: yeah, what I wanted to add to that is that um the people who Peter Lavender work for, and I don't mean Tom delong um have consistently used alien propaganda. As a cover for technologies that they've been working on in perfectly human labs, and w- one of the things that I would point out is that the the whole Roswell story, you know, it it, it shows up at the dawn of the computing age, right, when we have uh, Whirlwind and ENIAC and all these kind of machines, and then it shows up again when at the dawn of the personal computer age, right, with with, uh, Stanford Friedman and uh, all these other people writing books, sort of reviving the whole Roswell thing. And then it shows up again at the dawn of like the popularization of the World Wide Web, okay? So it showed up at all these sort of nodal points when there was going to be a big rollout for major technologies. So the people always have sort of this instinctual suspicion, rightly so, of these technologies. But if you can sort of sweeten it with like, oh, well, maybe it was aliens, you know, um, people are gonna be, uh, you know, even just the curiosity factor. So I, I think that, you know, the people who Tom along and peter Lavenda answer to have been playing this game for a very long
3: time they look like you at the moment with like the hat yeah great question from a great shirt yes indeed and needless to say
1: this talk will never be published on youtube it's always going to be behind the the curtain because now we're getting into uh the kind of topics the algorithms don't like i mean greg at thc has one more strike on his youtube channel okay. and he's done so, how about here? Anybody want to speak to this?
4: I discovered by accident um, I have a condition called sarcoidosis that uh, doctors don't really know what it is uh, but I, I had to go to a neurologist to to check, scan my brain to make sure I didn't have uh, any lesions in my brain and just by herself, she ran some other tests. And she told me, uh, we came up with a red herring. You have a Robertsonian translocation. And I'm, okay, what's that? And uh, this was very close to the beginning of the sequencing of the DNA. So this was new, very new stuff. And she says, well, one thing that it means is that you have... If you father a child, the child will have a one in five chance of having a birth defect. So that's, that's worse than Russian roulette. And she said that if you do decide to father a child, you would have to go for genetic counseling. And so in a way, I, I do think that might, that is helpful uh, to have that knowledge And uh, so that if ever I do...
1: A couple of questions from uh, Zoom, Ivan? Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Well, can we get to just one and then we'll get to you? One question from the audience. Or Keep it fair.
2: Using the example of the U.S. seal, the constellation Lyra is also associated with the vulture of, or eagle, as well as the lyre. Lyre? No. Lyre? Lyre? Okay. In the Greek context, this is the lyre made by Hermes out of a tortoise cell. This means the youth seal is very successful Vega talisman. What, if anything, What? if anything, makes their Vega talisman so much more effective than a Vega talisman that anyone can make with appropriate knowledge?
1: Any talisman makers here? Is that,
3: no, it's a Chris question. <laughs> <laughs> well,
5: so the, uh, the lyre was made by Hermes, but it was given to Orpheus. And Orpheus, if you know the story of Orpheus and Eurydice, you know, the descent into the underworld. And um, the tragic ending where Orpheus loses Eurydice, he comes back to earth and he forswears women. And then he's murdered by a pack of maenads uh, who were uh, priestesses of Dionysius. Okay. And the, I think the compounding of all this, you know, very charged symbolism and Connotations with the Lyra constellation, I think, is a, is a major part of it. But as you know, as I said in, the con- in my presentation as well, it's also one of the heavenly constellations. You know, one of the the cherubim at, at the gate of the garden. So I think again, there's a compounding. You know, we we sort of tend to look back and and look back at like the pre-Christian symbolism. And think it's kind of separate, and that there was no overlap between the Christian symbolism, and just that's not true. I mean there's a tr- even in the early days, there was a tremendous amount of back and forth and and gestation and sort of borrowing and syncretism. So I think that the power today of of that consolation is due to syncretism, and it's you know it's use in amulets I think are, uh, derives from that. thank you questions sir
3: you go sure uh, this is just uh, uh,
4: oh, oh. just a, a quick add on to that uh it does uh do you know the movie black orpheus yeah uh if you haven't seen it i highly recommend it it's my second favorite film of all time I think it won the Academy Award in 1960, something like that. It takes place in Brazil, in the carnival in Rio de Janeiro, and it's all about the story of Orpheus and him going into the underworld, and uh, with the great samba music. It's a great movie, and uh, you you must see it if you love film
7: yes <laughs> all right go ahead
3: uh this is directed to gordon but uh anybody else uh, no,
6: <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, anybody else who would like to answer particularly lawrence based on his t-shirt uh, in regards to your story about the 18 dried grams yesterday um, people on psilocybin often report uh, uh, experiencing ufos abduction scenarios and other sci-fi themes um have you experienced such things and uh what is your take on this? Um yeah, sure, with and without, right? Uh and again, I'm finding it geographically interesting that the overlap between we we have this idea that um shamanism and use of entheogens is sort of worldwide, is a worldwide distribution, but it's actually not. Like literally 90% of them are from the Americas, which is why when it comes to how they understand time, I pay careful attention because that's like a 5,000-year entheogenic project, and they came up with a counter. And and also when you're talking about the Maya, you're talking about uh, people who have, I would say, at least in the classical Maya, like probably a far more nuanced idea of what Whitley's visitors or whatever you want to call them are. Uh, And so... Uh, it's. I hate to go back to just because I said I didn't like using the word consciousness, right? Uh, these are beings like allies and and plant teachers and so on that have always been uh, available to assist in facilitation with something that you actually don't need otherwise, right? Like most of the shamanic praxis around the world is more kind of like rhythmic or endurance based, but the, these particular beings, these particular plant allies that are here. Uh, I, I find tremendously compelling and, and the information they can glean. I also, I'm very Terrence about this. Like I literally think psilocybin is an alien. If you if that was the second part of it, like I'm, I'm absolutely, I th- like they basically said the same thing to me and also kind of said, oh, by the way, like several of the classical Greek gods were literally physical alien, like, impressive beings on other planets that are now millions of years old and like dead. They're showing me stuff on, you know, corpses on planets where I'm like, well, that's Mars and that's what have you. So all that kind of stuff that uh, you can get in the entheogenic space, uh, I think is the is the right way forward. There's been a couple of points in particularly American history, when well, I learned this from Whitley, that... The, the history of America could have gone very differently during the spiritualism craze of, say, the late 19th and early 20th century. There were senators who wanted to use federal funding to fund uh, basically channeling projects because they they were spiritualists and they actually wanted to, like, go, oh, well, there's something to this. Uh, we as a government are facing the possibility of opening some kind of reliable contact with the afterlife and if we, well, if they'd done that, uh, because I believe, well, when I know that's possible from a contact perspective, but, you know, 120 years and a federal budget gets you a long way on a project, right? And that's something Whitley said is like, I think one of the things about the visitors is that they have worked out a way to maintain lossless communication with people in their society who have died. And that's one of the, that's one of the reasons why they kind of look so weird to us, right? Is because they have, the, the, the sort of acceleration of, of your existence that can happen when you're in that level of contact. The mushroom kind of says stuff like that. The mushroom will kind of attempt to convey those kind of things to you. So you get stuck in this, well, am I dealing with aliens at this point? And, and then it's like, oh, I'm dealing with humans in the future. I'm dealing with aliens. I'm dealing with a, a society that is, there's sort of minimal difference between physical death and not, and, and in this kind of like big and wild way. We we have, this comes back to what Vine Deloria said we have this tendency in the West to want to uh, atomize and to pin to corkboards like this is this butterfly, this is this butterfly, and when you're dealing with the spirit world, a, a language of complexity is is more uh, is more useful. Which is why I, I derive so much medicine from Amazonian cosmologies because they developed. Uh, to navigate like the most complexity that you're going to find anywhere, which is this really crowded world in which they live. And so when you ask them or you you sort of learn how they conceive of entheogens, it, we want it to be like, well, what do you think? We want it to kind of like drop down into our simple categories and it's, it doesn't land. It doesn't like land quite so well. But yes, I do think the mushroom's an alien just to, just to pop that in there.
1: Yeah, and it should be noted too. Also, in fairy lore, is very much like UFO abduction, and not just in the West, Iranian, other countries. So there's that kind of getting back to John Keel and the uh, supra spectrum of these. We're embedded with them,
4: and the map is not the territory. Um, that's that. That's a. Uh, it's it's wonderful that if uh, we spoke. Uh, yesterday about drumming uh, to achieve uh, well to actually take us uh, off world uh, altered states of consciousness Um, the thing with uh, the map is not the territory is that if you don't in some way travel to the spirit realms let's call them that for now um then when you pass on you're not going to know what the hell is going on just think about it um i uh my my first foreign trip was to to paris and i I learned all the maps of the subway system and everything and booked uh uh my hotel room and everything and anyway while I'm on my way from the airport what do I see but rows and rows of condominiums and a highway with cars that look like cars in the United States and where was my, you know, the guy playing the accordion and, uh, the, the Paris that I had dreamed of? Uh, so y- yes, we, we have to, we have to journey there somehow. We can't just learn about it. Like I've said several times already, we can't just learn facts about it and knowledge about it, information about it, but we have to, in one way or another, experience it uh if you if you watch the video of yesterday i give i i spoke about my experience with uh uh seeing an extraterrestrial in my skull uh, after taking sacred psychoactive mushrooms and uh so i don't want to go through that spiel again but uh, also i have experienced it during a sufi ceremony Completely sober, and also during a shamanic ceremony with just one drum playing, and psh, I went out there. So, uh, so you, you just you gotta you gotta get out there. So when you are actually there, uh, you can orient yourself. I mean, just imagine you're like suddenly where the hell am I? So. I got one. All
7: right. Um, mushrooms directly. And I'm going to relate to healing. And also, um, I just want to make the Twin Peaks reference to uh, Jerry Horn taking too many. I mean, is this cannabis? So, I mean, like there's something in there to discuss in a, in a lot of the time. The um, times I've taken mushrooms have been, um, I won't say plentiful, they've been few, but they've always been revelatory and they've always had some insight for me. And I just want to say like one of the best ones when I was 21, I was getting over the uh, one of my first heartbreaks. I'm a a Libra, so love is a big deal. And it was hard and mushrooms was really what pushed me through to the other side. I was touching my carpet. I was just doing the whole thing in a... I feel like someone should say you got to get in to get out before uh, we get too far. But I think that one of the things was, I realized as I was touching my carpet, I really remember this. And it was like the mushrooms community, everything will be all right. Everything is okay. And I was literally like, and so that was what my experience one time was. And I just want, I hope that directly addresses because I think they are wonderful, if used appropriately in the right set and setting and ex- excellent medicine.
1: Ivan, okay. is there, was there another question?
2: What do you think about the official disclosures coming out? And is it leading up to the often speculated eventual fake official unveiling or visits of of so called
5: aliens?
1: Chris, disclosure.
5: Uh, Yeah. um, (laughs) Yeah. I I, I did a a big (coughs) blog posting on Project Bluebeam, which is sort of a very popular internet conspiracy theory from the 90s. And I I sort of broke it down and pointed out that all the major plot points in Project Bluebeam, which is the planned fake alien invasion, all came from Star Trek episodes, uh, specifically uh, The Next Generation. So um, this is something... I have the the benefit of of my years, okay? I, I'm a grandfather, so you know, everybody's not a grandfather here, you know. I I rank you. Um, <laughs> um I I've just been reading about this over and over again for so long and the the ideas that are put across are are just so preposterous like um beaming projections onto the sodium later and so on. Uh, You know, I I think that if they were going to do something uh, along those lines, that they would actually use actual craft, because we do know that they have rather exotic craft uh, prototypes that they've been flying around in the Nevada desert and so on. Um, But I think at this point in time, I think, you know, the the way that this whole DeLong operation was just such a belly flop, I don't think they were even going to bother anymore because we could have uh, a faked alien invasion and the reaction to it would be just like in that meme, like, you know, whatever, I've got a lot of
3: things going on right now. (laughs) The need for the excuse is sort of changing as we move into war with Russia in particular, because it's always been, they've always trotted out like the Northwoods ridiculous stuff. Whenever they, whenever in particular, the U S military needs to make a big move that might need some kind of metaphoric air cover. Um, it's like, well, maybe we'll maybe we'll trick the rubes with with an alien story. We move into a world where that might need to be the case. I think that's what the DeLong thing was for. I think they're expecting a Clinton presidency and and kind of like bringing this inevitable war with Russia forward. And so I think there was going to be air cover there of like these exotic craft we have. And I think that's literally what the 2017 New York Times stuff was and the rest of it. It was. Um, we may need to roll out some of the stuff that we're not supposed to have. And so I think that's the inevitable. If we get disclosure, it is a PR campaign for war. That's what it is.
1: Ivan, mean, could you put that other graphic I sent you? I think this one's, yeah, I have another meme. What would it have? a conference be without memes? This one's not the Doomer, it's the Soy Boys. We love Soy Boys. There you go. That's perfect. Exactly. <laughs> or soy face. Yeah. Okay. Uh, sure.
7: Um, I, just, I was struck by how it was a uh, 2017 would have been the period where they were filming the X-Files that came out in the 2018 time period, which was exactly where they had aliens flying over and mass pandemics happening. And that's just an interesting timing. I don't know what to make of that, but um, what is, let, let's be honest here. What is disclosure? You know, is it just, I mean, like, think about this. When, when, has, a, when has a government ever given up the right to decide? Or excuse me, what's, a, what's the, I don't know. The word for government killing people. When has your power ever given up power? If knowledge is power and secrecy is power, do you really expect disclosure or are you just someone who lives in a paddock? So the question is, when are you going to disclose for yourself what's really happening? Because the more of us who join together in that kind of atmospheric kind of intentionality, fuck the government. So that's basically what I'm saying. You don't need dis- you don't need disclosure. You are your own disclosure.
4: Thank you Nate. Uh I think also think about the other. And uh isn't that what extraterrestrials are? Aliens. They are alien. They are th- the other. And uh if like nate says if we if we're honest with with ourselves and with each other we are afraid of each other um human beings um we just naturally have this thing where uh we were even talking about what happened with uh the whole matriarchy versus patriarchy thing and how did that go back and forth and why what was the reason for that and i think it has to do with the other and uh this this goes back to going down into the underworld into our unconscious to explore we we can be sexually attracted to certain people, and we can feel love towards certain people, but isn't love-hate? I mean, uh, anybody, I'm sure everybody here has been or is in a relationship, and you know how it can turn like that by just a look, a one-word Suddenly, the most beautiful dinner uh, experience is uh, people screaming at each other, even to the point of of violence. And so this... You know I'm a super big fan of uh, Avni's UFOs, uh, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. But also, I, I try to look at it from a psychological point of view, and I think of it as we must consider the concept of the other. Each of us is very different. Other, it, I mean, since we're, we're babies, we, we learn to see, well, there's, there's me, and then there's mommy, and well, we gradually we realize there's a difference, and then Daddy, Daddy takes us away from Mommy, but he shows us the world and but then theres scary things in the world as the other um uh, so it's just something I think about. Thank you
7: tool lyric, which says before uh... He says, and this is this came out August 30th, as I mentioned in my presentation 2019 before the Rona stuff. All right. And he says in the lyrics, You don't want to breathe the light, you um, fear the light, fear the light, fear the breath of the other. So they're associating the two lyrics breath, light. Because remember, memori is basically light in water, mem water, ori light. So it is light transmitted through water. I mean, that's an idea. And so just to say, uh, the two lyrics are always ubiquitously useful in these times. So it is whether some of us like it or not. You So it says, fear the light, fear the breath of the others. The deceiver says, the deceiver says. So these are things you can look into on your own time. The second track is called Pneuma, which is, of course, the Greek word for the breath or the spirit. So there's more there, but don't fear the others. Let's uh, Let's find a way to except ourselves and then everyone else. I think it starts within, though. Except the Irish. F the Irish.
1: Go ahead. You can what you want. Oh, yeah.
0: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day to find out more visit parker.com slash purpose parker engineering your success
6: (laughs) um thinking about the disclosure question and uh chris you mentioned the suppressed technology that they have and i was thinking about a charles eisenstein um essay that I read recently. And he's talking about sort of how to think about the future um, and and how to get out of these predicaments that we're in. And he talks about um, that we have to think about, we have to think in miracles. We have to start imagining miracles. And I know there are miraculous technologies out there. Um, Free energy technologies, um, you know, anti-gravitic technologies. Mm -hmm. I'm curious about uh, if anybody has any thoughts on orgone technologies. I've been hearing about orgone being used to uh, kind of combat the weather weaponry and other kinds of weather effects that we're experiencing right now, Um, but just sort of an open question about how we might imagine miracles into the future, whether that's physical technologies or spiritual technologies or philosophical technologies or uh, dream into the future with us.
4: I spent a year doing the wilhelm reich uh a new f- a new form of uh, the Reichian therapy called radix uh that I highly recommend and uh the first thing that uh my teacher taught me uh she was also from Brazil and uh she taught me to breathe <laughs> which I spoke about at length yesterday. Um uh, and uh so she she said, you know, just bend your knees a little bit. Now this is to experience orgone, of course, and to bring orgone into the body. And uh so I, I just started breathing and and she is very, very tactile. The the therapist touches you all over practically. And she just grabbed my chin and pulled it down. And I start breathing like this. And she says, no, 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 Like, And I was like, oh, that, that's enough, I'm getting, I'm getting dizzy. She says, no, when you get dizzy, just think of the bottom of your feet. And it works. So there I am, just standing, and for about 15, 20 minutes, all I'm doing the first day is, <sighs> then she had me lay down, and uh, she had me breathing the same way, and she's touching my stomach, she's going, okay, she says, but what's happening with your chest? Your chest isn't moving. You- and you you know Reich talked about that there are bands that we we have we put emotional experiences into muscular systems of our body and he had it divided up into seven groups um uh, Uh, so anyway she got my chest moving and uh, we did all sorts of different work together but always the breathing and then she got me moving as I was breathing until it reached a point uh, she had me move my head back and forth while I was laying down and then she said just just kick your feet like 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 this and so I'm like Okay, all right, I'm doing this. And then she says, like, slam, slam your hands down, your fists down. And all of a sudden, all this pain and agony and tears came out of me. And I felt a sensation that I remembered that I felt as an infant, some some taste in my throat that I, I remember just as an infant. Um, and he, it's funny because we were in a yoga center, so everything was so very peaceful and incense burning in the main store. And the whole group, often in uh, radix, we practiced together, uh, so we're screaming and crying and it was just such a uh uh contrapuntal, uh to uh to the piece of uh counterpoint to the the piece of the uh the yoga center now i did see orgone in in the sky after various sessions uh Now, I don't know if, you know, the expression seeing stars, uh, after you're knocked on the head or whatever. I'm not sure if I was seeing stars, quote unquote, or if I was seeing Oregon. Uh, but, uh, I, it, it did dramatically change my life that year. It was extremely painful, but it worked. Uh, and, uh, uh, it just very quickly, one of the very first things she taught me, she, she says, take my hand. Uh, thank God the, the floor was padded. And she says, okay, just stand on, on one leg and hold my hand. And I'm, I, I thought, no big deal. Okay, I can do this. And gradually, my, my leg starts to shake. Of uh, Of course. And it's shaking more and more. And then all of a sudden, something goes on in your brain, like, holy fuck, I'm going to fall. I'm not in control of my body. Uh, Now, that was a miracle for me to suddenly realize that I am not the master of my body and whatever I want to do, I can do. No, my body will say, that's enough, baby. You're going down. And eventually she just guided me fairly soft, a soft landing. But yeah, I did. I did collapse. She she wanted me to experience the collapsing. And um. So, maybe we all need to experience uh, collapsing and um to have more humility um to realize i don't know but uh to go into like the uh the his cloud buster and uh almost everything uh as you you probably know uh all his uh, written materials from his laboratory ha- are still top secret. So uh, I think, like Nate, you were just saying. I-, I think it was you that 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 this stuff is is uh, is uh, the Reich, Reich's material is is still is still top secret. So. What the fuck are they hiding? What are they keeping from us? Uh, thank you.
7: I want to say to uh, your miracle question directly, um, Just to, I want to mention Hoff and Groff, because that's uh, obviously Wim Hof and Stanislav Groff. And I don't think I've ever heard their names together like that. So Hoff and Groff. Yes, I know. That's like. we got to have this said out loud. And they're both breathing technologies, so you can use both of those people's different texts. Like Hoff is... Obviously, we know Wim Hoff. I think we know. But uh, Stanislav Grof did the whole thing with the um, the circuits and the prenatal um, imprinting and stuff like that. But to Miracles, to answer your question directly, I mean, I'm... Five degrees Pisces rising. I'm super sensitive and empathic. For me, I would like to see more instantaneous people, like two people coming together and just letting trust happen in a way that's both healthy and respectful for boundaries without getting too hippie-ish, but also with people who are able just to like enter into, you know, and I mean, I believe that we're going to be entering into a great turn like the Alex Gray art on fear which is basically two paths. People who would choose the organic in permaculture and Charles Eisenstein and the people who will choose or whatever the transhumanist um bullshit dystopian which miranda in the tempest of course said oh what brave new world with such creatures in it so i think that's the miracle is to live in the organic timeline and to be empathetic and to truly be the strongest version of ourselves possible
3: thank you talk about miracles um so most days i agree with chris is no one is going every, anywhere like 80 percent of the time where I don't, and it's because he one of the things he refuses to look into is actually the money behind it. And I've learned a lot of this from Catherine Austin Fitz, right? But the second half of the 20th century is a story of a preposterous amount of money going missing and the development of a legal infrastructure to hide whatever it is that that 21 trillion plus is uh, paying for. And it's genuinely an open question for it. Because if you give me 21 trillion in 70 years, I'll give you a flying saucer. I'll buy myself an island, but I'll give you a flying saucer, right? So um, it is. It remains an open question. The the logic and the metaphysics of nobody's going anywhere is tight, right? But there's seventy years of twenty one trillion and and uh, this kind of giant secret space program black hole in the in the story of the second half of the twentieth century. So as for like what tech they have versus how we move into a miraculous world. I don't know what's in there. I don't know if we ever get it out. I, there, there might, I, who knows genuinely what's in there, right? But I do think that we get to be the next breakaway civilization. If you actually look at what is available from a modality perspective for everything, for food production, for how we house, for all of it, that stuff is available and, and more, I think more it's more beautifully connected. It's that Charles more beautiful world, our hearts know is possible thing, right? Which is you don't go, there's not going to be one esoteric Academy that you go to, to learn like the right way to do housing and the right way to do what have you. Uh, it, It can't work like that because that's a top down idea. And the top down idea is actually the thinking that's the problem. So I think the miraculous world, we just decide to do it. We just decide that we're going to have our own healthcare system. We're going to have our own modes of exchange with each other and and just do it. And we're in sort of non-local contact on on a digital and, and whatever else basis anyway. And so that's kind of where I'm at with like whatever it is they have, if they have electrogravitics and free energy and so on, I think probably they do because Good lord, there's government wastage, but there's twenty one trillion of wastage. Like, give me a flying saucer if I give you twenty one trillion. And so that's kind of where I'm at with it, which is I have no idea what's in there, Uh, but I don't need too much of it at the moment. I think there's so many amazing. I even hesitate to use the word technologies uh, in it, and that's kind of my story. I think it's we can just be in that really like be excited to step into that our own breakaway civilization. Um,
5: first of all, I just want to say to the Zoom no audience: the reason why I look like this is not because I'm auditioning for the rhythm guitar role in *Suicidal Tendencies*, but I had a, <laughs> I had an extended uh, migraine episode that um, is making me extremely light sensitive. Um, as to your question specifically, I think what's going to defeat a lot of these technologies is the laws of physics. I think that um again when you start to look at scaling these things up you know it's a big difference there's a big difference between able to do things on a microcosmic level in a laboratory and then doing them you can only duplicate natural conditions so much and I think that um I think that the laws of physics are really going to defeat a lot of these actually preposterously science fiction kind of plans that they have. And as far as what Gordon is saying about the 21 trillion, I, I just don't think that once you get to the trillions, I don't think that money is real. I think it's fake. So that's pretty much how I feel about it. Okay. I mean, I wonder, do you have any ideas of how
2: to preserve knowledge in a dissent sort of like, a simple way for most for people?
1: Um, just to go back on the topic of,
3: uh, do you uh, mean, so how to preserve knowledge? This yeah. is interesting, right? Do you, because it, 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 swings on your definition of knowledge. So do you mean information? Do you mean like, how do we retain the complete works of Shakespeare? Uh, yeah. no, it's a real question because like at least a third of animistic is about exploring the fact we've just ignored, um, ways of knowing and ways of learning. So a friend of mine, Marcus Madafero Lloyd, who's uh, Maori, basically re-brought his parsite, his ancestral parasite, back into the living by just doing the work of it and actually um, using it, what we would call an intelligence of the heart process to find things out during that excavation excavation and rebuild. And he found things out that were he didn't know. Like his, his intuition was telling him, sorry to use that word again, where are you, um, to sort of do things like build dig a hole, put some hot rocks in it and and build it in this certain way and basically have a steam room, right? And he's like, that's a bit weird. I didn't think that's a thing our people did. Uh, so we built it. And his cousin's a Maori historian. And he visits one day and he's looking at this par site. And he's like, oh, cool. We, that's one of these, I forget the Maori word for it. That's one of these Maori spas right this Maori sauna and he didn't know that that was actually a technology that they had but in the process of bringing that past site back into the living and doing it with that intentional awareness he somehow got that information and there's a bunch of stories like that in animistic so in this kind of like how do we preserve information another way of asking that question is how do we learn things and how do we learn things moving forward because we are moving into a world where uh, even sort of storing things with electricity and silicon, whilst that might be its own kind of unreliable, you're also going to be facing access challenges as we move into like you know digital IDs and so on. So the idea of keeping everything in the cloud is absurd. Uh, and and but I I do still think the better question is how do we learn how to learn rather than how do we store knowledge somewhere. And that's yeah.
6: But how would you share the information with another?
7: Another group of people, or how would you share it with, let's say, like other generations? Maybe in three generations' time, how are you going
2: to um, share the knowledge of a certain technique? Or
3: uh, well, in or- that case, the past site retains the knowledge, and that's what you find in indigenous societies, right? So the sacred mountain r- preserves the knowledge. Uh, the sacred mountain is the library. And so if you teach people, if, you've, if they learn how to learn, that means they can be in connection with the mountain or the past site and they get the information. And this again comes back to that why I'm only half interested in remote viewing is a cognition thing, right? Like how, however remote viewing works, like if we're sort of, we have all these 19th century mm-hmm. esoteric words for it, like Akashic records and so on. But this idea that there is a um, a recording mechanism baked into the cosmos seems broadly correct, right? So the, the question then becomes, well, not how do you share the information? It's how do you show kids how to learn how to learn? So it doesn't necessarily, we're almost like replicating something. It's a redundancy in the universe for us to store information digitally when that information is in the universe. Like the question is like, how do you unlock it? How do you actually access it? And that's, my, that's one of the things when we talk about like quote unquote technologies that I want to see in our breakaway civilization. I want to see that modality, that, that way of l- seeing a mountain like a library as, as normalizing back into, into the so-called West. But good, great, great question.
7: Um, one way to do that, I think is, as we've done throughout history, is through lodges in secret societies. Uh, interconnected people who actually are in the same building and presence of one another, who know each other and care about each other and trust one another, uh, making our own communities. Uh, we don't know what the future is going to bring. All of us up here can speculate. But we've seen lodges more or less work for centuries. And I'm not saying it's the answer. I'm saying it's an answer or potentially one. It might not be, right? But I think that one of the ways to do it is to pass it through groups. I, Chris wasn't here earlier, but... um. You know, if God's such an ass, then what's wrong with breaking into heaven through the back door? But that would have to tie in the first podcast. But what I'm trying to say is that all of this knowledge that we have, especially, and I'm I'm referencing, obviously, the secret society that was mentioned in that talk, because I happen to have a differing view on it as I am a Mason. So it's kind of, I would have a different view on it. But I think that launches are one way to pass down actual information without it being, because the outside invading forces will have a harder time corrupting it in one way is one thing to say, but uh, th- there's other ways, but that's the only one I'm going to mention right now.
8: Um, I guess I've been thinking throughout this conversation. I've been reading a lot of um, astrologer and channeler, Barbara Handclough, Um, And I brought her book with me, the Pleiadian agenda, which actually speaks a lot about the the Maya and just in a, in a broad sense, just these deep t- sense of deep time and cosmological cycles and, this way that um, humans are within a bigger spiritual war of light and dark beings. And she, in the book, she's kind of channeling this Pleiadian goddess Satya who's um, delivering a transmission of our own history and cellular memory back to us. And one of the pieces is understanding that the sort of archons sort of dark forces have cast a net over this realm and, um, one of their tricks is that they take these stories that are, you know, very deeply core to who we are and they distort them and that like, they don't have the power to create their own stories. They have to take our, our stories, stories like that of Jesus, for example, and twist them to manipulate us. So just, um, I've just been thinking about that piece a lot. And then, you know, it's Wilhelm Reich, um, a, uh, wrote a book called the mass psychology of Fa- of fascism. And in that book, his theory is that, well, fascism is re- is really something that's held in our nervous systems and in our bodies and is just the trauma of culture passed down and humans, you know, have the unfortunate habit of making the archon's job easier for them by continuing that through, through culture. But um, yeah, I've just, I've really been connecting to her work in this sense of, I mean, she's talking about things like you know, the earth is moving into the photon band and we're getting flooded with light and she and all these other channelers are tapping into these light beings who are here, um, to help us. But that piece about like connecting to our own stories and cellular memory through direct experiential knowledge, rather than information passed, passed down and doing it through the body and through, yeah, through, again, so many spiritual technologies that seem to be coming more and more just in the past couple centuries, the way that people's awareness has been opening to these realms yeah
4: i i would urge everyone uh to read the bruce codex if uh you haven't already done so it's not in the nhc but it is a true gnostic text that was discovered when 1796 something like that and um so, uh, certain people had access, like Jung had special access to it. And in the Bruce Codex, uh, are actual rituals, uh, that the Gnostics performed. So, uh, if you're interested in, uh, in learning about what they actually were doing when they weren't writing their their apocalypses and gospels. Uh the Bruce Codex is the place to go. Uh and now uh, uh what I'm hearing reminds me of uh Allah uh, 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 uh Allah Hines, Allah Hines henes, who was called um the Stranger in uh the Bruce codex and uh he was also called part divine part human he was also called alien uh and this makes me think uh like you were saying that uh that we're involved in something much bigger than even what we think is like, oh, my God, uh, this is uh, pretty intense stuff here we're talking about today. But there is even a bigger picture that's happening. And and that that maybe there are also light beings, good extraterrestrials, who do who are helping us, who are actively helping us, and who do not want war, who do not want us to do something stupid. Uh, it has been said that our nuclear bombs disrupt their dimension, and they hate that. It's worse than they hate that. It's it is very dangerous. And they uh that's why they started coming here in mass droves in around 47. uh so it it's, it's, the 45, 47 is the 45-47, such a fascinating period of time. Crowley passed away, and then all of a sudden we have these uh flying sources in the sky and uh so this is a very interesting time but uh yeah i would say that there there may be beings that uh, allahinis may not have been one being uh, but it might be like a a title like merlin they say may not have been like one person but Merlin may have been a title uh, for uh, a certain level of wizard or whatever, a Celtic uh, person. So uh, please, read the Bruce Codex. You'll love it if you haven't read it.
8: I just forgot to say, too, that um, Barbara Hanclaw's grandfather was Cherokee, and I had brought this up in part because he warned her that, or, or spoke to the way that indigenous peoples' used oral traditions because of the danger of writing things down of the way that knowledge can be manipulated. And, you know, he was sharing with her, um, yeah, just the, the spiritual technologies that ancient people like pre cataclysmic people had and just the fact that that knowledge is held, you know, not that many generations back and is held by, by people's around the world that respect the the earth and those traditions. I think that's just, yeah, that's powerful to, to remember that we have that power.
3: Yeah. Um, I, I quoted uh, The Wind is My Mother as the final slide of my presentation. And just what you said there, um, we're called the paper tribe, because it's like, what are you guys obsessed with? Like, this is really dumb. This is a really dumb and flimsy way of doing things. But um, he, he learned the guy who wrote or the story of his life in uh, The Wind is My Mother was told as he was growing up that white people are the paper tribe.
9: Uh, I think I was going to mention something. I'm over here.
1: Oh, there you are. Hey, I was like, hi. hello. Arrived. Hello. <laughs> arrived. I think I'd
9: like to refer to that doctor, um, woman doctor that you had a, um, a Zoom conversation with the other day.
1: Sid, yeah, yes, Doctor Rob.
8: Right.
9: It seemed to me that um, that uh, she was really focusing on a very simple and non-complex idea, whereas when we're speaking about knowledge, I mean, it is very nice that we were able to see the Nag Library and was found and all that wonderful stuff, and everything that we're talking about is like, you can read this book or that book or this book or that book. But it's a very linear idea to, at this time, very linear idea to save knowledge as if we're passing it down from one generation to another. I think the time has come where we have to realize, I think what Gordon was saying and, and Sarah was saying also, is that we have to go vertical and we have to expand our, our awareness so that we can access things like the Akashic Records. So I emphasize transcending as Sid did to a point where it's very simple and to kind of stop going linear, saying, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's important to, you can do both. I mean, you transcend, and then you can enjoy, you enjoy the shit out of everything, you know, we're all talking about. You can go UFOs, you can go archons, you can go anywhere you want to go, but you got to, you got to get to the source so that you merge with that reality, which is a non-changing reality, and then you're stable. So as long as you're stable, you know you can enjoy yourself. <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: I never <laughs> Stability. Yeah. Uh, any other questions? Uh uh. Ivan was abducted. Oh, there he is.
7: Just to respond to that, um, there is a tool album called Lateral Us, and. When you change the song listings, you get a new order and you get this album called The Holy Gift. So basically lateral thinking, right, or uh, end-based thinking, or just like kind of um, linear thinking is what they're arguing against. And so when you rearrange an album, you're literally using multi, you know, you're using several layers of that upwards thinking. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, I thought I'd just mention that to everyone. The album reforming itself is actually an act of that vertical evolutionary upward spiral type of energy. So I I wholly agree with you. I love the upward spiral idea. And I think that we should all reach for our own highest ability of consciousness and help others to do the same. So I don't know. That's what I got.
9: You said you practice Yes. you want to To some degree. Can't right. yeah. understand. No I can't
7: really Oh, no, I wouldn't be here
2: if I did. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, um, from John F., could there be many technological breakthroughs that have remained hidden for the benefit of an elite in a breakaway civilization civilization?
1: Maybe. I, mean, I think it's interesting, you're talking about miracles. Have any of you guys watched the movie Arrival?
5: Yeah.
1: It seems that movie, I think, is my, probably my favorite UFO movie because everything that was supposed to be miraculous, aliens, time travel, memory recall, prophecy language, ends up completely mundane and part of the universe. It's no big deal. The one thing that is miraculous is Amy Adams deciding she's going to live with her daughter and watch her die of cancer, that it was worth it doing it one more time. I think that's where the miracle is. It's what, like, uh, the Nag Hammadi text, I you, says we humans are superior to the gods because we are mortal. So I think that's where the miracle is, our mortality. Everything else is really just mundane. Technology, back to the question. Any technologies are heading for
3: us? Maybe. This is the thing. Like, some days I think that, and some days I think can you really have a $21 trillion boondoggle? And yes, probably. <laughs> probably, I do genuinely think that. We have a, a history of it in the military, obviously, uh, of things being built and then eventually kind of showing up, right? So the, uh, to Chris's point, which is completely correct, that the second half of the 20th century's technological innovations are more disappointing than you realize until you think about them. But even the ones we did get, like every aspect of the iPhone began as like part of secret military projects and then kind of tipped out into the real world. So that's literally how we appear to get innovation uh, down here at the moment. Now, does that mean that there are underground bases with electro craft? Like that's a genuine maybe. Like, I, I, And it's not just I can look at the money I have, I got to meet people over the course of my career who are like, yes, that's absolutely the case and, and what have you, but by the same token, it's still a maybe. Yeah. What do you think? Well, you know, um,
5: there was a, a guy on YouTube lives in Las Vegas, who was for a while was filming all these very strange things flying over. Uh, you know the mountains there and coming from area 51 and so on so i mean it's clear that there are things but the question becomes is 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 are they applicable in a battlefield situation are they applicable in any kind of practical situation this is what i'm talking about there are a lot of technologies that have been developed in a while ago that just aren't practicable they just they don't have applications in the real world
3: yeah, um, I'm. I'm not as convinced about the limitation of the laws of physics, though, because I do kind of think we're only operating with half the laws of physics. But I agree completely. Like, w- we don't know how much a Raytheon, uh flying saucer costs to build, because if it's like five billion, we're not going to uh, bomb Russia with with flying saucers. Like, you you can't do it. Like, if it requires not just rare earth, but like off planet. Stuff that oh, these, these alleged memory metals and other things that the kind of UFO teams are interested in. If it requires things that we don't have that much of, as you say, it's not like you can scale flying saucers. You might have a couple of them. Um, and so I, I have no idea. Like, again, it depends on what day. Uh, the, the paper trail is there for a complete breakaway civilization, but who knows?
7: And Atlantis is real wait that was in my presentation what are we talking about dark journalist talks about the cog which is the continuity of government and that's something that continually seems to pop its head up and that could be something that would be used to just hard stop this government and that's what was happening on the 9-11 panel that was happening on 9-11 when they tried to do the whole thing where they had to get george bush back to a certain place so he could reassert control of the country uh There's something to that, but I just wanted to mention the continuity of government issue when it comes to these kind of things with this breakaway civilization via John Rappaport, Catherine Austin Fitz, and dark journalist. These are people that talk about this immense amount of money going missing, like Peter Dale Scott, too. And I just would encourage people to look at dark journalists' work when it comes to this kind of continuity of government or breakaway civilization.
8: Uh,
4: Then there's the Higgs field, and that has permitted uh scientists to actually beam thoughts uh into another person's head. Uh they've been successful with that. And uh uh yeah, I I've read that uh somewhere around nineteen oh four or whatever it was, uh n- the New York newspapers reported that the Wright brothers' flight was a hoax and uh they they had to detract that um uh, and uh, announce that it was real and uh my uh my adopted father was the head of quality control on the lunar module and uh he would wake me up in the middle of the night and tell me various secrets about what was happening uh, because uh, our phones were bugged, he we were being followed. Uh, I mean, he he was like ultra top secret, and um, uh, he put his name on a, a little piece of paper or something, and he he put that into the base of the lunar module. And today, my father's name is on the moon uh and i'm I'm very proud of that I'm very proud of him. May he rest in peace uh and i uh i I'm, I'm, honestly it, maybe i didn't hear correctly chris uh you, you are a grandfather i understand uh did you say that that all the laws of physics have been discovered <laughs> play please
5: yeah i don't know if all the laws of physics have been discovered but i think the laws of physics that we have discovered preclude you know a number of these more speculative science fiction technologies that we hear about you know on the internet
1: okay one last question before we wrap it up
2: speaking up um I'm in broad agreement that we're kind of past the hump on technology, but there's still stuff in the pipe. So fusion would be really radical. It's been in the pipe forever. Is it high in the sky BS? Or do you think there's some reality to that, that actually coming to fruition? I, I, think, I can't speak. to yeah.
5: Do you mean cold fusion? Yeah. Um, There were, I remember very clearly, I was working in New York, I was working in the Empire State Building, when there was a University of Utah cold fusion experiments, was that what it was? There were um, a a group of scientists that had, back late 80s, early 90s, announced uh, successful cold fusion experiments, and then it was just kind of shuffled away. I would I want to look, we look at the timeline again, but I remember thinking at the time, like, yeah, they probably did achieve cold fusion. And, you know, <laughs> Exxon and <laughs> Mobile and Sunoco and all these people came along and said, no, you didn't. <laughs> you know? uh, what the great Simpsons things? Uh, fossil fuels, use them and nobody gets hurt. So uh, I think that. There are, I mean, I think there definitely are experiments like that that have been successful that have probably been covered up. Um, But the question, again, becomes a question of scale. You know, I mean, maybe you can use uh, a certain amount of energy to produce a cold fusion reaction, but is is it economical to do so on a much larger scale? You you understand what I'm saying? So I, I think that... I always try to look at the psychology and just look at how the cover up or the denials, uh, you know, and I sort of equate the two <laughs> with a lot of these things. Um, how how this came about and how this was all sort of you know perpetrated. So you know, to answer your question, I do think that there have been successful experiments with cold fusion, and maybe the question is whether or not that knowledge wants to be released, or it's applicable you know on a mass consumer scale level but again i mean this is 30 plus years ago so who knows you know i mean but but this is the point i'm kind of trying to make is that if we had a a successful cold fusion experiment it was 30 plus years ago and you know And we haven't really heard much about it since. And there are a lot of things like this. Because, you know, I used to follow this stuff pretty religiously, you know. And it's why I I came to uh, label DARPA as um, a subscription to the X-Men and a fax machine back in the day. Because, I mean, they're just announcing all the most nonsensical projects that never, ever saw the light of day. So, um, but again, I mean, I I think that most of the... Theoretical science has probably been accomplished. And then we face that giant sort of Mount Everest of getting from theoretical science to practical science.
4: I'm a professional pianist and composer. Uh, For those of you who grabbed a handout yesterday, uh, there is a link to uh, my music that you can listen to my original music. And I remember I started studying when I was six years old, the piano, classical piano. And uh, to echo Miguel's words, my uh, my piano teacher said one of the, the greatest things about uh, live music is that musicians can make mistakes, that that we're we're vulnerable, that we uh that we're not we're not these machines, that we're we we're uh and we're not we're not perfect. And it it's it's that delicate balance that happens uh when one is performing uh that's so beautiful because uh somebody I love to improvise, somebody may do something A little different and like take me completely off guard and i have to like come in somehow and 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 match that or and or complement that and uh it is it is the beauty we uh but look at michelangelo's david i mean uh it our humanity is our greatness i would agree with miguel totally
7: you also? uh yeah i mean i don't have uh any more than an elbow in a so i'll tell you what i think though and uh i mean like i said my my ufo uh group two guys who worked with my dad back in the 70s uh they were talking about how we were working on stuff just at bose and like other parts of the lab there i have no reason to doubt that there's not already this. I mean, also we don't even know about the energy in our own bodies, like Kundalini and stuff. Like let's start there. Like I said, within, but I think that there's absolutely uh, some way to tweak the physics so that we can actually have that perpetual motion. Uh, I don't know how, and I know it's not economical uh, because, you know, not from the greedy perspective. It is. If you look at the stories of Atlantis, they actually had that kind of energy and then dark This is just the story through Casey and stuff, but like dark magicians, the uh, Belial group versus the Amelius group. Amelius wanted basically like peace and free things and like a good balanced world. And the Belial group was basically the arconic driven ones. And they use that energy, which can be like used to power everything wirelessly or destroy the whole Atlantis. So um, that level of tech would probably have that level of danger attached to it. But um, I don't think anyone in this room really has that answer. Also, I'm not getting paid enough.
1: <laughs> well, thank you. Well, I think we better wrap it up. It's been a fascinating discussion. As soon as we do this, we're just going to jump off on closing. Just be Ivan and I. We'll give a quick speech, and then we'll wrap it up. But please give a round to our wonderful, gracious panelists. Thank you, gentlemen and ladies.